Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today is a special edition of the podcast as I'm not going to have just one guest on the show, but we're actually going to have five total members of Red Fury, one of Phoenix Rising's two supporter groups. Joining me out of Red Fury today is John McPherson, Brian Mettendorp, Christine Lance, and Todd Ring, as well as a one-on-one interview with Monica McPherson, so do be sure to stick around for that. And in a sport where supporter groups create the atmosphere in the stadium with their singing, chanting, drumming, lighting off smoke, I felt that it was imperative to be able to give fans a voice in a season which most of their crazy cheering voices are going to go unheard. So without further ado, let me bring on the Red Fury members themselves. How are you guys doing today? Wonderful. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Just to introduce everybody here, obviously, for the listeners, you cannot see the screen. But I have John McPherson, Bryden Meddendorp. I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. That good. That's we good. have perfect. We have Todd Ring, and then we also have Christine Lance. Um, so you guys are members of Red Fury, one of Phoenix Rising's two supporter groups. Um, whoever wants to start off, I'll let you answer the first question of how long have you been a member? I'll start. Uh, I'm actually, I guess you could say I'm one of the founding members. Um, I was part of a group called MLS Phoenix Rising, no relation to the team now, uh, that was around to show owners that there was sufficient support for, at that point, we wanted an MLS team in the Valley. Um, And then when Phoenix FC Wolves came around, uh, we just kind of saw that our job was in a way done. So we just kind of merged into the developing uh, supporters group, uh, La Furia Roja, at the time. So, so yeah, I'm one of the members that have been around since day one. Um, yeah, this is Brian, and look, my my answer is similar. Actually, I um, um, I joined then LFR like in the early stages, and I was kind of involved with um, MLS Phoenix Rising uh, with Christine. I think like she and I met then um, initially. And, um, but then, um, there's this guy named, uh, uh, Goyo, AKA Greg, uh, Spradlin, who, uh, was instrumental really in like getting me involved in, uh, La Furia Roja. And, um, he, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I probably would not be sitting here today. Um, and he really just started off, started LFR off and, uh, yeah, we were here before Phoenix FC was, was even here, um, and I've just been involved ever since, and uh, it's just been a fun, fun experience. Uh, real quick, how long ago was that? 2011? Does that sound right, Christine? Mm, I'm thinking, trying to see, we're in season what of Rising, John? This season... This is the fourth season of Phoenix Rising as the name Phoenix Rising. Okay, yeah. so then there was three seasons of United, so that's seven, so eight years ago. Yeah. 2012 Phoenix- was the first Wolf season. Yep. Gotcha, okay. And then let me pass it over to John and Todd. Kind of, when did, I guess we'll have to say from, from Arizona United, obviously before it became Phoenix Rising. Talk about that transition. Uh, well, I I was part of LFR from the first season of Wolves, but um, it's, it's been an interesting journey for the, the, the group. I mean, we, we, um, we started really big, really loud, and it's gotten, it's just evolved over time. I mean, I think, I think we, we've become a family more than anything else at this point. Todd's a newbie. I'd be curious to see what his take is. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, Todd, as the newest member, what is it like? Uh, I'm the, I'm the at least from this group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, let's see. I guess the easiest way for me would be I I started hanging out in in, in the 2018 season. 
through John and Monica had invited me to a couple games. Um, and then from there, uh, it just really clicked with me uh, and I enjoyed the camaraderie. Uh, having grown up um, doing a lot of community and charity work, uh, that really struck a nerve with me in a good way. And uh, it made me want to, you know, be around more and have more to do with that. And uh, it just kind of snowballed from there out of control for me. So. so let me ask you, just because you kind of gave me a quick little uh, snippet there, what would you say, and, then, and, I'll, and I'll definitely get the more uh, in-depth answer after, but what would you say is like a quick 30-second uh, elevator speech of what, of what uh, Red Fury is? Um, I, I've been so – to me, it's what I've been pushing a lot lately uh, has been, you know, club, community, and charity. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, we're, we're there for the boys on the field. You know, we, we support the team on multiple levels, but also um, through all the, the charity work that we do do and, and try and help uh, all facets of our community, especially if it has, you know, anything to do with, um, you know, youth, uh, with soccer, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, uh, I'm going to shoot way over 30 seconds. There's no way. Uh, so that's just the angle I come at. It's, it's, it's more than just being a, a standard soccer fan, you know, and, and being able to help others in that process is just, it's a great feeling. You know, you can't top it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I like, one of the many things I definitely appreciate about Red Fury is that like we're um, we've become very good at like using um, the team and uh, soccer as kind of a vehicle to help out our community and to kind of like reach out to people who need it. Um, and I love like, especially this season because we can't be in the stands um, that, um, you know, we've done a few more, I think we've done like a little bit more charity work than um, we normally would just because we have the time. Um, so I think that's like a positive we can take out of this. Yeah, we've done two major ones so far this season. The first one was right kind of at the beginning of COVID. Uh, we did a fundraiser silent auction and then proceeds went to small businesses uh, that we knew um, to just kind of help them out in the short term, um, as well as a pretty nice donation to the St. Mary's Food Bank, uh, which we made. And then right now we're doing one for the North Phoenix, uh, what's, I'm going to butcher this official name, it's the North Phoenix Baptist Church Soccer Club. John, did I get that right? He's on mute. He's on mute. Okay. Uh, but anyway, it is a, it's like, they're soccer teams that are set up and made up of um, refugee kids. Thank you. Um, that have that are now living here in the valley. Uh, so through money and again another silent auction. I think we're just about to two thousand dollars right now, and that's still going through Wednesday. Uh, so we're real excited about that one. Yeah, and I I wanted to make sure I brought up the auction that's currently going on. So just to make sure we get it out there, remind everybody it ends on Wednesday at six p.m. at night. Yeah. You said Wednesday. Wednesday at 6 p.m. is the last time is the last that we'll be accepting bids on the items. Yep. Okay. And then where can people go to make those bids? We actually have a website. We do. Um, okay. What is it? We do. It is redfuryphxcharity.com. Redfuryphxcharity.com. Yes. Okay. Correct. And on there, you will see pictures of all the items that are up for auction, as well as the current bid and how to yeah. place and, a bid and if you'd like so. We're also accepting donations of used clothing for them, um, used soccer gear. And if people want to donate cash that goes directly to them, there's a link for that too. Um, basically, everything we get goes directly to them. It's, this is kids that come here with basically, apart from the clothes on their back, nothing. Um, and so everything will go to them. So on Twitter specifically, I've seen the list of all the items. It includes jerseys, bobbleheads. How did you guys come into getting in contact with, for instance, I saw a Zach Lubin jersey. They don't sell goalkeeper jerseys. You obviously had to get in contact <laughs> with him personally about it. So you can, you guys kind of tell me how, uh, how you go about that process and kind of 
we'll start on that tangent of the relationship a supporter group has with the team. Yeah, we actually didn't. Um, you know, we started we started the event, and the the players themselves reached out to us um, and and offered to donate items. We we at no point have gone to the t- the players or the club for anything for this. Um, we want it to be something that that we drive ourselves. And you know, if people want to donate items, I mean, there's a there's a set of headphones on there that were donated by one of the the league's sponsors. Um, and it's just p- things that people come to us with. Um, some of it was Brian's own personal items. Um, and we've got a couple other items donated that way. But mo- for the most part, it's players themselves donating them. That was the case when we did our first one earlier this season as well. Uh, the players would just find out what we were doing uh, through social media and approached us with, hey, I have something I want to donate. Um, in fact, I through that auction, I have a pair of Eric Dick's uh, signed gloves sitting in my loft <laughs> right in front of the TV, which I was lucky enough to win. So, um, you know, just the guys coming forward and the team coming forward and doing what they can to help us. Um, it's special. It really is special. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see how much the players themselves want to be part of the community too um, and give back to it. I mean, we, we saw that just when the posts over the last few days where they've gone to the, the, the homes of some of the fans and, and delivered gifts to them. Um, this is just another example of them wanting to give back. Um, and it's, it's one of the things I think that's special about our league. You don't tend to see that in higher level sports, especially in this country anyway. Sorry, I'm a little biased. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it tends, you know it, it, they tend to be more aloof. And whereas at this, this level of, of, of soccer, they are, they're very much part of the family and want to be part of that community as well. Um, and it's, it's just a great thing. It's part of what makes it much more exciting and much more fun to be part of. I think I know the answer to this question, and, and I want to make sure I phrase it correctly. When I say, is every fan meant to be in a supporters group? And I don't mean that is in, oh, you can't join us, but more as in, does it take a certain type of person to represent the supporters group the way that I'm sure you guys would want to be uh, represented? It, I mean, I would say it does take a certain kind of person. I mean, I mean, it takes the kind of person who is willing to, you know, stand up for 90 minutes uh, during the game and sing and chant and support the boys. Um, and your voice is just hoarse. And, you know, a goal is scored by um, Solo or uh, Flemings. And, uh, you know, we like smoke. And, you know, like that stuff is just like coming into your lungs and you start coughing. But it's just like... I mean, it hurts, but it's still a beautiful experience because, you know, it's just like you're celebrating with the team and not everybody like has a mentality to want to do that. And that's fine. Um, we can't have everybody sitting um, in the supporter section. Um, so, I mean, it does take a certain kind of person to do that. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, it's just, it's just not their thing and that's fine. Um, but there are some people like us who are just like, we love being part of that camaraderie with the team and camaraderie with each other. Um, and, I mean, so I think it just kind of takes that kind of person. But with that being said, if there's ever anything that they see that we're doing and they want to join in, yes, come join. Please. Absolutely. Come, come meet us and see what we're all about. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's why we say, you know, we, it's really a feel of being a family uh, with Red Fury. And it's just one of the reasons I've stuck around for this long. I think. I think that, you know, you asked if it takes a, a special type of person. I don't know if it's special or just different. Um, we, you have to sort of kind of look at it two different ways. One is that, you know, that you realize that you're not going to see most of the game during the 90 minutes when it's taken part. You're, you're too busy chanting, clapping, lighting off smoke and all that sort of stuff. Um, <coughs> and you, you're also, you also don't care that you're not seeing the majority of the game. You know, most of us come back and watch it at home. Um, it's about being there and being as loud as we can because we know that helps the players, motivates the players, and that's what's number one. Yes. It's about giving all of that to help them, and then we'll enjoy the game afterwards when we watch it on the TV. Um, so it's, it's just a different type of person. Not, not, I don't think it makes us better or worse. It's yeah. like we're, different. we're kind of misfits in, in several, in many ways, I think. I like to explain it as we are the college student section that just never grew up. You literally just took the words out of my mouth when I try to explain 
what sportive groups are to people, I'd say the closest I can get is a, a college student section in that it's raucous. It's no one's going to sit down. That's the first thing. And it, it's just, it's, it's madness. And then, but to attach it mm -hmm. to football and, and, and what supporters groups do, well, hopefully most of them do what you guys do and are, are positive with, with their messages and what comes across. So from mm -hmm. a supporter groups members perspective, what is a match day like when you are allowed to come to the stadium? Well, it usually starts off with, um, you know, some of us arrive, um, you know, two or three hours before the game starts to like set up our section, you know, we put up our flags and our banners um, and just make sure um, that uh, the section just looks the way it needs to be um, for, uh, for match time. And, um, and then afterwards, uh, some of us will go back to like a nearby restaurant or pub and just kind of like hang out um, and just kind of uh, get some family time in, so to speak. And, uh, and then we'll like after, you know, when it's about game time, we'll all head back to the stadium and, um, you know, pop into our section and, um, and just wait for the game to begin. Um, and then after, you know, we do all of our singing and chanting and um, everything else that's involved of, of in terms of what we do during the game, we, um, we take the time to like take down everything that we set up before game, before the game. And um, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, I mean, it tends, it's Brian's point, it tends to, it tends to be an all-day thing on a Saturday. When we're, we're at home on a Saturday, it's an all-day thing. You're setting up at 8 or 9 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And apart from getting sweaty when you do that, you go home, you shower, and then you meet up in a, a pub somewhere and, and just hang out before we go to the stadium. Um, but it, it's definitely an all-day event. Um, and then sometimes, not always, we end up in a pub afterwards. <laughs> not about drinking just, I promise. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I fully understand. Um, you don't all have to answer, and you're all more than welcome to answer. I want to get your insight on your favorite part and your least favorite part about being in a supporter group. <laughs> okay, okay. Not everybody I seem to be the, yeah, I, I talk a lot, apparently. Um, what do I like the most about it? It is that sense of family and community. I mean, I think, um, I've, and I've said this before, soccer supporters tend to be, especially people in, in supporters groups, they come from all ethnic backgrounds, all financial backgrounds, and you just get everybody. And it, and it just brings us all together. And none of that, to be honest, none of that stuff matters. I had to clean that up there a little bit. Um, it is just about being together and, and enjoying the one thing that we all have in common and the thing that we love, which is the sport and especially Phoenix Rising. Um, that, that to me is the best part. Um, the hardest part is especially when you're as invested in it as, as everybody who's here and a bunch of other people, it doesn't tend to stop. It's a, it's a five, six, seven day a week thing. Um, because there's all sorts of things going on that we have to, to try and wrangle and, and, and get done. Um, so it, there's something going on every day. So it, it almost becomes a job on top of the job you have. It's true. Yeah, I think I'm going to echo what John said. Like the best thing is definitely like the the people, um, the 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 friends that I've made as re, as a direct result of being part of Red Fury. Um, I mean, I consider so many uh, people in Red Fury um, just to be like part of my family. Um, and it's just something that you just like you can't put a value to. Um, and then, gosh, least favorite. Um. When the game is over and it's just like, you know, you come down from that high, especially after you've just had a miraculous win. Um, and uh, one of our boys just like scores a goal in the 91st minute or something. And, uh, and then you just like have to like come down after that high and you're just like, ah. but I mean, leading up to it, it was a, it was an amazing experience. No, I absolutely hear you on that coming down from a high. It's like the, the race of my deadline I have to meet. And then once the match is over, it's like, oh, well, now what? And I think that is a good sign that you're enjoying what you're doing when once something's over, you're sad. I would, yeah. I would go with. So before I ask about uh, Los Bandidos, I want to get your guys' opinion on the future of Red Fury. And we'll just say the next, well, in Phoenix Rising terms, five years is a long time. But in the next five years, where is Red Fury? Where do you think it'll be? How do you think it will have evolved? 
Todd. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I was quiet for too yes. long. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I just see it. I just see, I see our group getting better and better every year, you know, more organized, um, you know, more events happening. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really see, you know, anything changing necessarily in a negative light. I don't see, you know, a reduction in activity or anything. So, I mean, I just, I, I mean, maybe I'm, got rose colored glasses on or something but you know i just still see all that momentum um you know moving forward all right christine being one of the original members where do you think it'll be in five years and that'll be that'll be over a decade of you uh seeing this thing from the ground up well after a while they're gonna have to wheel me up into the section but uh (laughs) no it's i see us getting better uh more growth more new members the more we grow, the more we can do uh, to help the community, to help the boys, the more stuff we can do at games. Um, but yeah, I just see us getting better, getting more organized, growing, having a lot more fun. No, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the years to come as well as this team continues to grow. So uh, a question that I do get a lot and I don't, have the answer from your guys' perspective. Obviously, there's another supporters group called Los Bandidos who sit next to you, just to your left, if you are sitting in the stands. So kind of talk me through that whole aspect, because obviously having two supporters groups isn't something that's very common. It actually is more common than you would think. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to the most okay. big big stadiums around the world and even if you go to MLS stadiums you'll have different supporters groups but they're in different sections um, I think our our stadium doesn't make that possible really you know it just it's just not feasible in the size of stadium that we're in to do that so we you know we started off with you know we're on either side of that section but what we what you tended to find was it was just for anyone else outside of where we were it was just a noise um, and I mean, to take a to take us a little step back. I mean, the the why is there two? We're, we're just different. We, we have different ways of of chanting. We have different styles that more or different things that motivate us to do what we do. Um, neither right, neither wrong. It's just different. Um, and you know, we 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 one point talked about well, we're going way way back. I think when it was La Hermedad before it was Los Bandidos, was, there was conversation around how do we do it together? And it never evolved from anything at that point. Um, and so we just, we just carried on as the two separate groups. Um, and what's evolved over time is the fact that we, we now do one, the one voice part where they're, they're leading the chants. And, and um, you know, we've, we've kind of merged some of the chants and the drummers. And um, it, it just makes the sound louder, the volume better, and it helps encourage people hopefully on the sides to join into what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, what we want is we want we want to be like a stadium in Europe where everybody in the stadium is, well, not everybody, but as many people as we can are actually joining in. Um, because again, that will just elevate the noise to, to on the opponent and help it continue to motivate our players that are out there. Um, but the, the the way it was with us doing our own thing, just was it was a noise. I remember one time that I was over in the VIP section one time, and you couldn't make out either side's chance. So it just wasn't. It wasn't feasible to continue that way, um, but yeah, we're just we're different. We we have different ways of doing it, and you know what we've managed to find now is a way of working together um, for the bits where we need to work together, and we continue to do the bits that keep us separate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely common for um, any team to have more than one supporter section. Like I, uh, I lived in the D.C. area for a couple of years. And um, I joined one of DC United supporters groups and um, the Screaming Eagles and DC United has like four or five different supporters groups. Um, And this was back when they were still playing at RFK and we were like all in the same area, like on like one side of, of, of the stadium and like Screaming Eagles and the other three supporters groups, we'd all just kind of like divide ourselves up, um, you know, along that section um, and I know like a lot of teams in Europe have more than one as well. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things where like you, you just have different perspectives on how to like support the team. And, um, it's kind of a personality thing. It's kind of a personal viewpoint thing. And 
you know, like John said, um, one isn't better than the other. They're just different and that's fine. Yeah, John, you just talked about um, at the end there too about the, the differences. So my next question was going to be, let's say Phoenix Rising becomes an MLS team, you know, number 32, mm-hmm. let's say. Uh, let's say there's a movement to try to make one group and, and you guys can already know where I'm going with, with the question. Do you foresee that being um, something that's proposed? Um, and if so, do you foresee um, there being um, a reason to maybe join as one under one name? Or do you think that it's pretty cohesive as it is now in the system you guys are running now? I tend to think the way that it works now would work just fine. So if you look at LAFC, and I always get the number wrong, whatever they call themselves, the 3192 or whatever whatever that group number is, um, is actually made up of different supporters groups. You know, they just have agreements on who's going to run the, the, the voice section of it and who takes more of a lead on charity section of things. And so I think it would be very similar to that in many ways. Um, but each side would just still continue to be their unique selves. Um, I don't see there's a, a huge benefit. While we still have good relationships, there's no reason to, to change it in any way, shape, or form. It works. We get to, to still be the, the, different, the, the disparate groups we are today. Gotcha. And I'll end it with a question for each of you that I know you all can answer. Well, I don't know if it's going to be an easy one. When you, when you think back, what is your favorite moment or what comes to mind right away when you think about your time as a Red Fury member? Ooh, can I do two? Um, oh, yeah. More the merrier. <laughs> first one, I got to go with the very first Phoenix FC Wolves game. Uh, it was on the road to the only other team west of the Mississippi at the time, Orange County Blues, now Orange County FC. Playing in Cal State Fullerton at their football stadium. And we can't, went out. There was 12 of us LFR members. Packed into three economy cars. I don't know how this all worked out. But anyway, we all drove out by ourselves, walked onto the campus. We were watching. We had flags, a drum. Again, only 12 of us. Watching people see us coming, turn the other way and walk the other direction because they had no clue. <laughs> what a soccer supporters group was probably or who we were we get to the gate and the first thing we hear is the security people on their radios going there's a group here for the other team what do we do now we had been in contact with their front office the entire time they knew we were coming but they had never conveyed it to the front office staff anyway long story short they escort us to our section we have a blast we drink them out of beer by halftime just the best experience just because probably it was, it was the first experience as LFR, but it was so much fun. Um, and then the second one, even though it was a loss, I'd have to say I flew out for the championship game in Louisville uh, with a bunch of LFR members. There's banditos there. Um, what an experience that was freezing as all get out. We, oh yeah. We bought out all of the uh, pocket hand warmers from Walmart. Um, but you, it was you might have unknowingly fantastic. gave me some that night. You, you probably, <laughs> I think we probably did. Yeah. <laughs> we share. I think we did. Yep. But that's memories that I always have. I think for, for you know, the game ones are obvious ones. Like, like, like Christine says, the, the experience of the, the trip to OC where we basically took over we took over one side and then took over the whole stadium at the end of it. Um, you know, the trip to Louisville. Yes. I think the, one of my favorite experiences with the group was another, a different OC trip where we actually spent the whole weekend. We were in a, ended up in this, the same hotel as the team. In fact, um, a pure coincidence. And we were there for, for two to three days, depending on which person drove. And it was just a great weekend of, of time together and, and bonding with the people. Um, and, you know, that, that to me is what brought us, I think, closest together is just spending that time um, and really reinforces what the group is. And what I think for me, like one that pops in my head right away is um, also like um, that year when we were, um, when Phoenix FC Wolves was a thing. And um, toward the end of that season, like we started off playing at ASU's uh, women's soccer stadium, which was 
amazing. And like that first game there was, uh, oh gosh, another great memory just because I think we broke the stands. Um, yes. And, um, but toward the end of the season, like it got to the point to where like the owners just like, I think it was mainly because of funds. They couldn't afford to um, pay for like a, a good place for the, the players to play. in. so at the end of the season, we were playing at reach 11. Um, and we, uh, which was terrible. I mean, those, I mean, clearly not made for any kind of like professional level of playing at all. And we're out there and they, the security out there doesn't know, doesn't know what to do with us. Um, and um, I mentioned Goyo, AKA Greg Spradlin, who um, got me into LFR and he uh, was almost kicked out of, or was he kicked out of that? He was, game? He was arrested. Yes. Yeah, he, he was arrested. Stay in his car. He could not leave his car. <laughs> and all of it was because um, he had a megaphone to like help lead us in the chants, and he wouldn't give that up because they didn't like him using the megaphone. Um, and they, I remember, like the security, like kept yelling at us to give them the megaphone, and like none of us knew what happened to it. It just like had mysteriously disappeared. And um, yeah, so he he was escorted out of the stadium because of the megaphone and other just drama that was developing. But I mean, when it was going on, it was just like, what, I mean, we're just thinking like, what is happening here? But I mean, in hindsight, it was just, it was a fun experience. And um, <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of funny looking back on that, that, you know, he was escorted out just because of, of a megaphone, which is obviously not an illegal property to begin with, but yeah. We had, we had a, a, another gentleman that was part of the group at that point, who's sadly no longer with us, Noby and, he he was part of the, the drummers and believe it or not, he actually used to be a judge. Yeah. And so he went over and the nicest way I can put it is he reasoned with the police to eventually let Goyo go. Um, after many times going saying to the policeman, okay, go arrest me then. Arrest me then. You'll regret it. Go on, arrest me. Um, and, and his little funky accent that he had. Um, actually, if you look at our section, you'll still see we actually have a banner and, and commemoration of him. Um, but, that was that was a great night. It really was. Yeah, I mean, Noby, he was he like brought in a lot of like fun percussive instruments too. I mean, he was such a great part of LFR. Um, unique character for sure. But yeah, he passed away several years ago. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm sorry for your guys' loss. In that he sounds like he was definitely a fun guy to be around. Um, Todd, it's your turn. You're gonna have to top these stories now <laughs> save the best for last i got no oh <laughs> <laughs> is somebody else on the call then <laughs> i don't know if i'm the one monica's I, gonna I, chime I, in out of nowhere he's gonna, yeah. he's gonna call monica after this so she can out of it exactly good good <laughs> um my my experiences are, are a little different because obviously the way things are now they're a little bit more uh restrictive and i guess controlled maybe yeah. um so obviously a bummer um, for me, but uh, I mean, I, 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 the feeling I had last year uh, after the shootout, I mean, we had, I don't even know how many, I mean, there was 112 minutes of play and then the shootout. And so the game went on forever. And I mean, I was physically exhausted. I could barely drive home, you know, and it was, I was just wiped out. It was great. It was, it was awesome. The feeling was awesome and you know that was by that time we'd been cheering uh together with banditos um and it was just i mean everybody was wearing beer it was mass chaos it was totally awesome um and it was it was just a great experience um you know and then another one for me personally was um this during all of the this where we couldn't do a whole lot together um i kind of um injected myself into creating you know jerseys for us to to give us a you know a little bit more of that camaraderie and stuff like that that uh, you know obviously starts to happen once you're not around each other on a weekly basis um and i really didn't know how well it was going to go um and how many people would be on board and uh i had you know one design and offered it up and, and got everybody's kind of input and it everybody loved it. I mean, people I didn't even, wasn't even, didn't know by name, uh, only by face, you know, wanted the jerseys and it, uh, 
it was a good feeling for me. It just made me feel really good that I was able to put something out there that everybody liked, everybody wanted. Um, you know, and people I, I didn't even know, you know, that they, they wanted to be a part of that. And I thought it was super cool, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I think the theme that I keep hearing from, from all you guys is just the sense of camaraderie and, and family, if I can call it that, that you've created not only around the team and the club itself, but amongst each other. And in a way, you're a, a team in yourself, um, if that makes any sense. So, and also obviously each memory that you guys just named is something that puts a smile on your face and makes you happy. And at the end of the day, I think that's the whole point, not only from the footballing perspective, but what you guys are able to do through the charity and what you've done in your giving back to the community. And I think that is the coolest part of all of it. So um, I, I really want to thank you guys. I know we had some technical difficulties tonight. We had some scheduling difficulties. Uh, throughout the week. Um, but again, I, I very much appreciate you. Uh, Wesley, once again, excuse me, uh, Christine Lance, we got Brian Mettendorp, got that right, John McPherson, and we got Todd Ring with us. Uh, again, thank you guys for, for joining me. Uh, love to have you guys on again. Thanks, Jake. Anytime. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, anytime at all. Yeah, thanks, Jake. And due to scheduling conflicts, Monica McPherson wasn't able to join us as a group but she was kind enough to take some time out of her day to join me for a one-on-one -on -one for a few minutes. So, Monica, how are you? How are you doing? Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for putting this last second, joining me real quick. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so this will be actually a little, a little more interesting to get to know about you a little bit more intimately then. So I'll just start it from the top. How long have you been as a member of well, what's now called Red Fury, but how long have you been with the, the supporters group total? For how many years? Phoenix Wolves. Um, I don't know how many years that is. Is that seven? How many? I, I think eight was the consensus we came to. I think so. Yeah, 2013. Okay, so obviously you've, you've been with the group for a long time. How would yeah. you say the group has evolved over the years? Ooh, my goodness. Um, lots of things changed over the years. Um, we're still quite tight knit, like family. There's that core group of people. Um, and then others just come and go for various reasons, whether they've moved or not. Um, we're much bigger than just a supporters group. You know, we, we do things for the community. We do things for each other. You know, we did, um, I did an auction that helped three of the businesses plus the food bank, you know, not too long ago since COVID started because we care about each other. Like this is a huge deal what's been happening. So we, we do community things as well. We're not, this is our only team, thankfully, because I can't do other teams. Um, but uh, I think our outreach is very, very important. And that's part of the reason that drives me besides the team it's what we do outside of that so that actually brings up a question then you mentioned one team and i mean this in the best way possible why this team what made you know phoenix you know, wolves arizona united phoenix rising what made them the ones i don't know like when i first went to the wolves games i i've had soccer all my life my kids played it then we lived in England, in Scotland, you know, like we had, there's just been football, football all around me. Um, when we came back, there wasn't any particular team that I chose. Like I like other sports if they fit into my schedule, but I do not travel to every away game. Like I don't even watch them half the time. I support, you know, a, a American football team, but I couldn't tell you they're, players names anymore like I just I like them to win I check it comes up on my phone if they win fantastic but you know this team is different it's it's evolved for me um I made friends with some of the players on Phoenix Wolves it just kind of uh, it just snowballed from there you know I, I was cooking food for them then I'm a feeder 
Like people are never hungry when they come to my house. You know, they do TIFOs here and stuff. People don't leave hungry. Like I'm, I feed, that's just my thing. And, you know, I, I bake for the team now. It's just always, I've learned so many different countries foods just to try and make them feel at home. Because for me, they're people first. They're not just a team. You know, they have good days. They have bad days. They get sick. They have surgeries. You know, I'm, I care about them then. And not just if they're excelling on the field and scoring goals or defending, you know, or stopping every goal from going in. I care about them individually. You know, I know their families. I know their wives. I know their girlfriends. It's not, it's, it's a family. And that's just grown stronger and stronger every season for me. I, I still have, you know, players that I speak to from Phoenix Wolves. I'm really close with them. You know, I know when they're going to have new babies. I, you know, know when they're married. I know when they change jobs or before they retire kind of thing. It's, that has been a huge thing for me because I'm a people person. So that's why like, I'm up there chanting and screaming very colorful things sometimes. And, you know, I pop my smoke when they score goals, but that team on the field, that is why I'm there. Anything could happen behind me and I wouldn't care as long as it's not happening in front of me for those 90 minutes, you know, it's, um, it's nice to be able to stand there and scream because I wouldn't do well sitting in a seat on the sidelines. That's just not who I am. It's like, I'm, yeah, they hear me. They know I'm there, you know, and, and traveling, thankfully for me, the, the last season, more people like I, I, they, they say I exude something when I'm talking about going on an away trip. So I've gotten more people to come because it used to just be me. And unfortunately, prior seasons, the team would lose a lot, you know, so nobody wanted to go, you know, it was horrible. I'm the guys would say to me, mom, why don't people want to come watch us play? You know, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm here. You know, I, I can't like when we're in Peoria and stuff, it was horrible. I could hear my voice go across the stadium and come back to me. You know, it was so empty. I don't counted people one night. It was like 600 or something, you know, now it's crazy. I love the support they have. You know, I, I've had a player actually, it was today tell me it is so hard right now for them to play without fans. They actually miss the fans. Like that's why they play, you know, they play hard for us. They want to put everything out there. And now it's like quiet. They hear themselves. It's almost like they're doing a training or a scrimmage. You know, of course, points matter. But but for them, they really want us back in the stadium. Yeah, that is definitely the first thing I noticed going back is how quiet it is and how mm-hmm. you can hear every single voice of a player and coach and a voice you're I'm not hearing is yours, which is a, a definitely a distinct one. Um, and you're talking about your relationship with the coaches. I've seen firsthand um, with the players from you know changes of ownership to different managers, a completely new team. How is it that you've able to find yourself in that position to where you have these relationships with these coaches and these players and they're so – um, welcoming you in and they, you know, come to you basically it, from what it, it sounds like. I don't, I don't know really, except I'm, I'm a mom person like red fury jokes and they call me Monica, like instead of Monica, but most people just call me mom anyway, but like they joke about that because I, I like to take care of people and I don't, I don't know how it happens. It's just like, why does the stranger in the grocery store speak to me and tell me their whole life story? I don't know. It just happens. You know, I don't know them. I definitely don't want to hear them, but I will stand there and listen to them regardless. It's just who I am. So 
it's almost like I would say trust. They trust me because like, even if I went out with it, like I'm not going out with them now because I don't, I wouldn't do that to them because of COVID. But even if like we went out to dinner or I, you know, I've taken some of them to Sedona or whatever. I took one to the Grand Canyon. I would never, ever post anything about that. I, I keep them very protected in my world. You know, I don't, some, you know, have been to my house multiple times. I, you know, I cook for them, whatever, you know, I cook for them and deliver it sometimes, but I would never break that trust. They could talk to me about anything, even if they're frustrated, you know, with life in general, whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's easier to tell a stranger than the people you're with 24 seven, you know? So, and that, that's been my whole life, not just, you know, the soccer world. So I don't know. I think it's trust. I think they trust me. You know, I, I baked for them not too long ago and I actually went and got a COVID test before I did that. Not because I was exposed, um, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't spreading something to every player on the team, you know, and I, and I give one of them stuff to take in for the coaches, but I wanted to make sure I knew, you know, before I did anything for them collectively that I wouldn't hurt them. You know, I, I would never want to be that person that would make the whole team sick. You know, it's, um, I'm super careful about that with them because I want them to be safe. So, you know, I check on them. I make sure they're fed. I make sure they're okay. You know, it's, I was talking with an ex player today because he tours ACL, you know, it's like, I care about them even when they go away. It's not like the relationship ends when they're off this team, which this team will always be like my team. And I always want us to win. But when those players are also out on the field, I want them to have their best game ever. You know, I, I want them to excel. I want them to do well. And they know that, but I still want to win. I don't, let's never, <laughs> they know that's never a question. <laughs> I, I don't want them to win the game, but you know, it, this team is just everything. Like it's the only team I actually support with like jerseys or having a room for them. You know, I've got a room for them and it's, uh, it's definitely filling up. Um, but I, it's like, I'm not one of the people yelling, give me your Jersey, give me your Jersey. I don't do that ever. I don't do pictures with them. I've done pictures of them. You know, I have a few scattered pictures with people, but it's very random. You'll see me in a picture. It's just, it's like when I bake for them, I hang it on their door and then I'll text them and tell them it's there. I don't bake for them to see them. That's not my purpose. You know, that's like an intrusion as opposed, I, I'm doing it just to do it. I'm not doing it because I want something from them. You know, all the years I've traveled, I've never asked for tickets. They would give me tickets to any game I wanted to when I traveled. But, you know, I, I don't abuse that relationship. So I really do think it's trust. They trust me. They know I don't want anything from them. I'm simply here for them. So that's probably the best way I could, I could say that. Yeah, I think the general consensus I got from everybody was family and togetherness and camaraderie. Those were kind of the words that everyone was using to talk about you guys as a group. I use the word you guys are like a team of the team, for the team, whatever words you yep. want to use. So I know this next question might put you on the spot a little bit. This is something that I've spoken to with uh, former players now um, and just talking about MLS and in the future how a possible MLS bid for Phoenix Rising could potentially see the fan interaction with players as we see it now fade just a little bit. You might not have people like yourself exist. Um, obviously, it's a who knows question. It could happen. It might not happen. But is that something you've thought about and then something that you're concerned about at all? 
going forward? Um, I, I've not, well, I'm not concerned about it at all because if it happens, it happens. Like I'm not going to worry about it. I'm still going to have the friendships that I have, you know, that's not going to change. And if I end up making more that, you know, fine. It, I know if we go MLS, we probably won't have the people we have now. Maybe some of them, but probably not. But so it's going to be a whole new team. MLS is much stricter on things. I'm not going to get my smoke. You know, I, I, I never say this out loud to people like on stuff like this. I personally don't want MLS here. Um, because I love our team and I want our team to be the best team. You know, I want this team to win everything, you know, going to Louisville last season was amazing or season before, you know, it was just absolutely amazing, you know, to get that far, you know, running on the field. I seriously had just had surgery, like a really serious one running on the field in Orange County. There was nobody stopping me. You know, people were screaming at me, don't go over that, don't go over that, because they wanted to help me. They knew I'd just bust myself open, but I was on that field. You know, it, there was nothing stopping us from that. But it, um, for our owner's sake, I love our owners. Like, I have mad respect for them. And for them, I want the best, you know, but for me personally, if we stayed USL, I'd be fine. I, I would be happy. But thinking about those relationships, if they don't happen, they don't happen. I can't, you know, I can't worry about, I can't worry about that, unfortunately. Hypothetically, it's, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be out of my control. You know, there'd be nothing I could do about it. So, exactly. you know, it, would I be sad? No, I'd still want good football and it would still be my team. You know, if, if we had MLS, and this team up here, I would stick with this team, I think, before I'd go to MLS. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, this MLS thing drives me crazy. I don't even watch it. John McPherson does that. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear all the nonsense and what that Garber guy is doing next. And I'm like, Ugh, so over that, you know. But I love our team, and there's just nothing there's nothing better. You know, if you could have seen me last night, oh my gosh, I was so angry. And we, a few of us met at Marley's at Desert Ridge and like, I wanted to seriously throw stuff. I was so mad that they were so rough and they were taking out junior all the time. I think we were like three minutes in and I was already yelling, don't you touch him. It just like comes out, you know? And I, I was so angry with that match and you know, we had to win. We absolutely had to win that one. Cause they were just dirty. So like, <laughs> no, I don't, uh, I don't know if, if I ended up tweeting it or not, but after the game, they asked Rick if Landon Donovan had any words for him yeah. about the team. And it was like, he, Landon Donovan said it was like playing against horses. Like it was <laughs> just guys are running and running and don't get tired. And I think the, I don't know if you want to call it a strategy, but the fouling and just uh, the hard fouls, the head games, it's just stuff that comes with being top of the table. Anyone's trying to do anything to get points away from you. It does, especially taking out Junior. I mean, my goodness, that guy, he was like an energizer bunny. He kept getting up. I'm like, oh, all right. And I was texting with the family member of his. I'm like, okay, is he going to get up this time? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy. It's it, that was an intense match for me just because all that hard fouling was happening. And I'm very protective. It like brings out my mama bear, you know, where I don't want them injured, especially that we have a Wednesday, Saturday game. So yeah, I just, I don't want anybody to get hurt out there. I don't want them to get hurt either, but definitely not rising. I, yeah, that's a whole new level for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of injuries, I think it is mostly due to because no one played any games for a few months. But since I've been covering this team, there hasn't been a player on the injury report in about five weeks. And I can't remember the last time I saw a clean 
injury report for Phoenix Rising for this long a period. So it's good to see that Phoenix Rising players, I'm going to knock on wood as I'm saying this, yeah. aren't getting injured. Um, before I let yeah. you go, Monica, I just want to ask you one last question. Okay. Obviously, you've been with the group, which has changed teams, basically, over the years. Yeah. You know, Phoenix Rising hasn't even been Phoenix Rising the name for five years, but I'm still going to ask it this way. In five years, where do you see Red Fury? Where do you see Phoenix Rising? Where do you see that relationship being? I think it's still going to be very strong. Um, We're definitely different the way we do things than the Banditos. And there's definitely room for both of us, you know. Um, they, I, I still see us, as long as it doesn't change, um, where everything changes, because they, they have so many more rules with MLS than they do USL. So that would be a change. That would be out of our hands, though. But I still see us behind this team 100%. I, there, even if no one else calls themselves Red Fury, I'll still, I'll still be standing there with smoke, screaming for those boys. There's just nothing else like it. You know, they're they're just very special, and this is a very special group of guys. I'm I'm really sad that, you know, individually, they're they're so kind, and they're just so genuine. This is such a good group. Um, I'm really sad that people don't get to see them. You know, they don't get to see them out there and watching them on TV is not the same. You know, you don't actually see all the little nuances because we're only showing what the camera wants us to see. You know, we're not seeing everything in the other side or whatever, or on the bench. There's just so much that happens with this group there. This is just an amazing group of guys. Rick, I, I give him so much credit. You know, there were there were times when people were tweeting to get rid of him and sack Rick and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, may did he have all the experience? Probably not. But look at him. You know, you cannot take that away from him at all. You cannot begrudge where he is. He has worked really hard to be where he is. You know, he's got good people around him Um, there. Yeah, he. It would be a loss if we lost him. You know, I, I see all these coaches moving around and, you know, our old coach is now at a different team. And, you know, it's like, hmm, I wonder how that's going to go. You know, I'm, I'm anxious for that Saturday game. But <laughs> it's like, hopefully it gets played. You know, it's so hard with this COVID. You never know if something's going to get, you know, canceled right away. But I, I just hope our boys continue to be safe you know, yeah. and, and not get sick, but I'll, I'll be behind them regardless. And if we do change, I would obviously change with them just because this is, I've watched it grow over the years and I'm not going to throw deuces on them now, but I love our USL team. I absolutely love this group, you know, but they get all of me. I have no voice. When we came home from OC, I had no voice. And we didn't want to stay anywhere, so we literally slept in our car. I don't know what John McPherson said, so if I'm repeating, <laughs> we we drove there like late Friday, stayed at a rest area, went to the beach because we had nowhere else to go, washed up in a bathroom at an outdoor mall, went to the game, and then drove straight home just to yell behind a fence. You know, it's like if I had known we could have been there the week before, I would have been. I didn't know if they'd make us go away, you know, cause it's, it's a park. So we weren't sure what was going to happen, but it's, um, I'm like, Oh no, 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 there's people we're going. So we drove there, but I don't want to get sick. So, you know, we tried to stay away from people as much as we could. So it's, um, we do a lot for this team. I've got so many flights that I had to cancel and I, I just don't know what I'm going to do with, they only gave me a certain amount of time because when I get the schedule, I book my flights because they're cheaper, you know? Um, and because I go to every away game, I was booked way out. So I have a, I had a lot of flights to cancel. It was kind of, kind of bad, you know, (laughs) but 
at least hotels and rental cars are good. They at least give you your money back, but flights don't. So, but they're still worth it. And I would probably do it again if we get next season. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in the same boat with you with the flight situation. That was uh, definitely a bummer. Um, yeah. the, the specific one is I was getting ready to leave for Salt Lake. And that's when the season got cut. Oh, no. Um, so it, I didn't actually leave Arizona, but like, that's how close it came to be. Um, I actually want to go back a little bit talking about uh, kind of Rick and Junior, I think, are the two examples we can use here is, you know, if the team continues to have success and if Junior continues to have success the way he does, you know, by having Stancy, they're going to be gone and not because of anything that they did poorly. It's just yeah. Rick's going to get an offer from someone he can't say no to and Junior's career, he's going to get an opportunity that he can't say no to. And, and I, that's something that I've seen fans, you know, have gotten upset about on social media, but at the same time, that's kind of what Phoenix Rising looks like it's becoming. It's becoming the cream of the crop of USL. And yeah. I'm, I keep saying like, hey, while, while yes, that will be bad for the team in a competitive standpoint, no Junior Flemings, you do have Asante Moar waiting. And yeah. that kind of seems to be what Rick is trying to build through, you know, in, in years on years plan. Yeah. of having continuous reinforcements. Um, I just want to get a clarification from you. Is there anything that you don't want me to publish that you've said? Just because you said earlier you don't talk about the USL MLS thing out loud usually. No, you're fine. I, I'm, you're fine. I don't think I said anything too bad. but Because I do want the best for our owners. So, I, And I said that. At least I know I said that. So, <laughs> No, it's fine. You're fine. Okay, perfect. But with Junior, if Junior goes to another team, I would miss him. I would still speak to him and his family like I do now. You know, obviously I wouldn't see him, but I, I wish the best for him. And I I think he's – not that the rest of the team's not, but I think where he is right this very second, he's better than than us. I think he's bigger than us right now. If that continues, it, you know, he's only going to get better and better. Um, would would this team miss him? Definitely. You know, but Rick would find somebody else to step right up, you know, and, and fill that spot and fill our need and maybe get somebody better. Who knows, you know, but Junior's definitely on fire and I wish him the best. I That's the thing. I, I've gotten used to them, people leaving, which is why I still keep a connection with them. You know, um, even when they retire, I still have a connection with so many of them um, that if he went to another team, I'd be fine. I would miss seeing him play, but, you know, I, I, I can't see him staying at this level. So I would be prepared for him to go just like at the end of every season, you know, it's like, okay, did they, did they sign them again did they use their option you know like i i sometimes i've really been in like a really bad place because i'm like damn it i knew they weren't coming back you know and i knew when they left they weren't coming back and obviously i can't say anything because it's not public knowledge and it's just like uh it breaks my heart to see them go you know i have a fish in my house from one of them that's gone you know, it's like, because he couldn't take it with him. So I'm like, oh man, you know, it's just sad. It, the end of the season's always the worst part of the season for me, because I know not all of them are going to come back. We're going to get new people. So it's just sad. It, it's like, you know, roosters, you, they go out and they do their thing. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, they're, it is a great group of guys right now. I I don't want any of them to go. I like them all. It's it's rare sometimes, like, not that I don't like them, but, you know, I'm closer to some more than others. But this is just a really great group. All of, all of them. They're just really, they're, they're family, you know. They're, um, and they're so good together. So yeah, it's 
the end of the season, because it's a funky one anyway, and we can't be in the stands, it, it's going to be even harder, I think. Because I have all this back time with them, not watching them on the field. So. Well, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up because I'm not Governor Ducey, so I can't do anything personally. <laughs> but there is a possibility October fans could be allowed. So that isn't completely off the table, but fingers have to be crossed. Safety has to be put before everyone else. Definitely. Um, and the, the thing I love about football is it's the, it's the shortest off season in the world, especially yeah. with Phoenix rising, who seems to play into November every year. So you only have to wait really two, three months before you start getting that preseason in. And then it's, then it's a whirlwind yeah. and it all starts again. And, Thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad John caught me right as I was saying bye that you were coming in. Um, yeah. I really appreciate it. Pa- pass that thanks to him as well. Thank you, John McPherson. You're <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye. Be safe. Bye. Yeah, you too. Bye. Good meeting you. You as well. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising Podcast. Phoenix Rising's next match is a Wednesday midweek fixture away to LA Galaxy 2. Kickoff is set for 2 p.m., and you can catch all the action on the exclusive audio stream on ArizonaSports.com and the new Arizona Sports app, which is available for both iOS and Android. And following results from the weekend, Phoenix remains atop Group B standings with 16 points, while OC and San Diego are now tied on 11 points in second place. Los Dos comes in right behind with 9 points, and Las Vegas rounds out the rest of the group with only 1. But that being said, Los Dos and Las Vegas have actually only played a combined eight matches, which is the same total amount of games played by San Diego and just one more than Phoenix Rising this season, just to give you an idea of the matches play disparity still within Group B. For all things Phoenix Rising, be sure to head over to ArizonaSports.com, download the new Arizona Sports app, and you can also follow me on Twitter at JWA1994. Until next time, ci vediamo, a dopo, ciao.